You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity... We have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Lowe. And I'm Connor Oates. So, Connor, what, what topic could be more important than will the Mar-a-Lago raid lead to Donald Trump's indictment? Yeah. Pretty, pretty big I mean, American issue. politics does kind of hang in the balance. Absolutely. So we're going to get into that topic. We're also going to talk about Starbucks being sued by its shareholders mm-hmm. because they don't like Starbucks promoting diversity. Have you ever heard of such an unwoke thing to do? Very interesting. Yeah. This is a sort of a, a, a kind of a... Uh, an insider view at shareholder suits, which is a whole section in your uh, everybody. You all, when you take, of course, business organizations in law school, you will learn this. Uh, shareholders have a right <laughs> to sue right. Uh, companies and only under certain circumstances. And we're also going to talk about uh, Gorby, RIP. Mikhail Gorbachev is dead. We're going to compare him with Putin and uh, other <laughs> luminaries. How fun does that sound? Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, 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 a it's it's nice to be compared uh, to Putin because everybody always comes out favorably, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> just, just about, you know, yeah. Hitler's ghost, I yeah. guess. But uh, <laughs> other than that, and of course, we'll finish off the episode with America's favorite game show. And uh, this week, uh, you're going to guess the verdict, Connor. Guess the verdict is the name of the game show. Uh, the case of the pig on the bench. The case of the pig on the bench. And Connor is going to be vague given, and mysterious. It I'm is. Connor is going to be given real live uh, facts of a case, and he's going to try to guess the outcome of this case. But before we get to the big topics of a couple of uh, human interest items, one specifically having to do with you, Connor. Ooh. A listener uh, says they love the show, except. Love your show, but Connor talks too fast. I'll be listening. Connor talks too fast. So <clears throat> yes, she, I, I I have gotten that. She's given you a second chance before. Uh, I would say I've gotten that note from teachers in school, from professors in college and grad school, <laughs> and every girlfriend I've ever had, and my family. And yes, it's true. What about court reporters? Have you court reporters absolutely oh constantly admonishing me, Miss Rokes? Please slow down. I, let's see, 43 years practicing law. I got to say, absolutely once a year, more like twice a year. So in the neighborhood of 100 times, I've been told by the judge or the court reporter stops and throws up her hands. And it just shows I don't learn, I guess. 
but you you know you just it's get genetic yeah so it's not my fault so do you seriously do you you try to when you stand up in court do you try to yes. keep it kind of slow because I do. you know when you're going to piss off the judge and the court reporter the, and those are two people you don't want to piss off yeah the more preparation i i do for a hearing uh, or a deposition or uh, whatever else um the more i focus on slowing down because uh people like hearing somebody who speaks at a normal human pace they like being sort of uh acknowledged as uh you're listening uh to but uh, you're being able to listen to what i'm saying is important right. i'm not just talking at you yeah. i'm not talking because i like the sound of my own voice um even though that's probably why i am talking generally most of the time but people like knowing that they are important and so i constantly have to remind myself and be reminded to slow down you know it's funny uh, this I is think like toastmasters episode now we're now we're doing public speaking why not one get dale carnegie in here yeah. the ghost of dale carnegie so it's funny because um Psychologists have demonstrated, I think, that uh, people, when they hear you speak, if you speak kind of quickly, they think you're smarter yes. than if you're like Gomer Pyle. Yeah. I mean, you can be Einstein, but if he comes from Mississippi and right. he speaks with a drawl, he speaks slowly, that Einstein's an idiot, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, I like my fast-talking friend from the Bronx better. Yeah. So there's that. On the other hand, you're not going to be understood as well yeah. if you're speaking too quickly. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're doing some fairly complex stuff and if it's a legal argument or something. And but, you know, I, I came about the habit, uh, honestly or dishonestly, because in high school, uh, I decided, well, I'm not going to be uh, the, the kid on the stage and be the drama king. And I had to get the girls. I'm not going to be the quarterback on the football team. You decided that not going to happen. Yeah. It wouldn't be prudent. Yeah. Uh, instead, I show show up for the debate team. Yeah. And eventually the debate activity at this time. Uh, it evolved into a sort of an auctioneer, fast-talking yeah. type thing. The more which, points you could score in your limited time. Yeah, they yeah. call it the spread, you know, when you can speak really quickly. And looking back on and listening to ta some tapes every once in a long time, it's just incomprehensible. Yeah. And I actually got to thinking about this, and I went to the internet, and I, I actually uh, recorded some current college debaters yeah and this uh, you're not going to believe this uh, i'm going to play it uh, for you right now and uh, you, you're not going to i predict you're not going to be able to understand a single word uh that oh this my god i can't says. wait they're, yes. they're they're wild yeah so so here here it goes this is a current college debate and this is how quickly they speak and we're going to go uh go with this recording right now i literally started singing that in my So the recording is not sped up. No, no, this is normal human. But it's not even like auctioneers you can understand because they're repetitious. They're saying, you know, it goes going once, going twice, you know exactly what they're saying, what they're going to say. Yeah. This is a guy who's so trying to convey it. a complicated, nuanced <laughs> subject yeah, that yeah. you have to listen to and understand and process. I mean, it's 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 a complete arms race because it's a competition. It's, yeah, and it, to some degree, you can get away with it because the people who are judging you yeah. are folks who are totally familiar with what you're saying. They're used to the fast talking. and uh, But in terms of learning communication skills, I mean, give me a break. It's yeah. absolutely totally alien to to any kind of a, to a human ear yeah, yeah exactly right so uh i mean the the difficulty is uh, you're encouraged to go really fast 
and then because you're more likely to win. One thing I've noticed is I like to listen to audible books and mm-hmm. I crank it up to one and a half times speed mm-hmm. because it's, Me too. it sounds really quick, but it's I, I don't totally understandable. 1.5. 1.5 is too much. I do usually have 1.2. Uh, I'm a 1. 1.5, man. Oh my God. But the weird thing is when you then go back to the normal speed, yeah. it sounds like they're tap dancing in molasses. Yeah. And you say to yourself, how could anybody sit through the normal speed? And yet, when you first hear the normal speed, it sounds perfectly fine because yeah. it sounds like normal conversation. So it's weird. The whole, you know, it's all relative in terms of what yeah. you get used to. It absolutely is. You get used to kind of anything. But the most confusing and strange thing is that I, I, I listen to several podcasts and I would uh, listen to these commentators, like basically sports commentators, um, talking, um, just sort of shooting the S uh, with each other. Shooting the breeze. Yeah, the breeze. Thank you. Shooting uh, the poopy breeze. <laughs> with each other back and forth on the podcast. And they're, you know, calm and, and hanging out and relaxed. And then I watch the, their live broadcast and they are, you know, amped up and sort of caffeinated and going at it and go, giving the play-by-play and they're getting as much as they can in, zip, zip, zip. But compared to 1.2, 1.3, they sound still like they're going, you know, swimming through molasses, even though when they're on the podcast, they're speaking much more slowly, right, right, but right. then cranked up. It's a bizarre thing to sort of not even recognize their voices. Yeah, it, it is amazing what the human ear will get used to. And I apologize for any listener. Woe be unto uh, he or she or they who intends to listen to the Too Many Lawyers podcast on anything other than 0.9. You got to slow us down, <laughs> unfortunately, because both of us uh, fall into this trap. I especially, you with your years of radio experience, you only fall into the trap when I bait you into it and I force you into it by constantly Well, there is that mirroring concept because I, I tend to, to be kind of a, a chameleon and I mimic uh, the speech patterns of the people who I am speaking with in conversation. And if they're going really slowly and they're being really deliberate, well, then I kind of I join them in that. Mm-hmm. And, and when I really talk really fast, we say, boom, 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 you got to... I, I think that's a normal human oh, tendency. And when I talk like a valley girl, uh, you yeah. uh, like uh, totally uh, mimic it and join me. So since we're talking about totally non-legal stuff, (laughs) uh, I remember, because I debated for seven straight years in in high school and college, I mean, that was my whole uh, big extracurricular deal. I spent more energy and time on that than I did on classes. I figured, well, when Connor comes along, going to high school, I guess uh, he's going to be wanting to do the same thing. What do you know? The damned high school didn't have a debate team. No team, no program. Although, as I recall, you actually tried to form the debate team when I I forced you to do that. I I made a club to try to, you know, people were kind of interested in, hey, we should try this out. No, and no, no. To get into college. That's yeah, why that's, you formed yeah, the club. That, that certainly was also true. And you came and sort of told us about it and what it was going to be like. And that, that's nice. And we had some meeting. I think we had two meetings. Uh, one uh, that you spoke at and one follow-up. And I got a teacher sponsor and all this stuff. And then there wasn't a lot of interest from anyone, including me, and actually trying to learn how to talk like an auctioneer or, you know, argue about Southeast Asian politics or whatever topic they throw at you that week. We really, it was, it was more of a group of people who uh, wanted an extracurricular for their college apps and also kind of wanted to talk like modern politics and just sort of, you know, yell at each other in an unstructured yeah. way. Well, you say that about the two meetings. I know that at the first meeting, yes, I, I gave a boring little talk. I'm guessing at the second meeting, everybody just went out behind the gym and smoked dope. Yeah, exactly. That's Probably what that's yeah, what that happened. Was, that was our high school. But you yeah. had the ability uh, to to really speak well without seven years of debate training. And not to brag too much on you, but you were chosen as the graduation speaker for middle school, and you were also chosen as the graduation speaker for high school Well, not as well. the graduation speaker. There are two. 
One is the valedictorian who actually yeah. gets good grades. You were the and only then one. The other yeah. wins some you were the only dumb one competition. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, so you had that skill uh, even without grinding it out and spending yeah. you know twenty hours a week doing that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that that was great. Uh, it's uh, you, you saved a lot of time. Uh, sure, coming up with three by five cards. Yeah, but I didn't get to travel all over the country and stay in Motel Sixes with my uh, you know partner and argue about our strategy. And sometimes Courtyard by Marriott as Ooh, well. Nice. Yeah. All right. So uh, by the way, a shout out to uh, Christian Blatt. Uh, Christian Blatt has a fabulous oh, yeah. podcast called Biden Time. Christian was uh, kind enough to invite me on this week to talk about uh, the raid uh, in Mar-a-Lago Mar and uh, jo uh, Joe Biden's speech. I think I offended his listeners because remember the picture of uh, Joe Biden? Uh, we also talked about Biden's speech and his big comeback. Picture of Joe Biden three or four days uh, ago in front of the Philadelphia you know, oh, Independence yeah. Hall. Red lights. He had these red lights and so on. I think I offended the Christian's listeners because to me, it looked like he was standing in front of Satan's man cave. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that doesn't go over well, I think, with, with woke people who love sure. Joe Biden. Yeah. But doggone it, I wasn't going to hold back. I was going to See, this is the truth. Myself. The truth and reality of the political discourse that you bring to the podcast that you are on, Christian's and ours. Uh, and we appreciate that, of course. We on the, the, the filthy commie liberal side um you know but that that's just biden coming into his own you know he's becoming officially signing up with the chinese communist party so he's got the red uh, behind him uh, of course that's i'll tell you he's had a great month he's he's gone from irrelevant and you know oh gavin newsom for oh, president yeah. or maybe put Buttig Buttigieg. Yeah. we feel really woke to oh no we're gonna stick with biden absolutely you know? i mean it, it, what he realized apparently was that not compromising with corporate Republicans, or even really as much with corporate Democrats, uh, not compromising with them, uh, it makes him more popular. I mean, the big one is student debt relief. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. student debt relief, 20000 for Pell Grant recipients and 10000 for everybody else is not enough. It's not enough to actually move the needle on, uh, on the the uh, you know the suffering of the American people who are uh, burdened by these massive and predatory loan schemes, but it is something, and it shows that you can make progress. You can actually do things. You you can see oh people uh, were taken advantage of and we're in really bad situations. We can improve that, and I think just seeing that there's a possibility of improving something and seeing that the you know inflation reduction act uh, whether that actually will reduce inflation or not is a step in the direction of actually making a, a substantive move on climate change not nearly enough but it's something the american people have been have been so jaded for so long by the Democrats telling them, I just can't do anything because Mitch McConnell is too powerful. He's some sort of puppet master and also wizard. Um, and I just can't, we can't stop him and his army of orcs. It, the, <laughs> the, they, they, they were gasping, gasping for a breath of fresh air and, and Biden is offering it to him. And shocker of shockers, it's fantastically popular. Like, I don't know, maybe you should keep doing more things, more more progressive things, even. Wow, Biden, what an idea. Maybe he'll uh, he'll learn from what you've been preaching, uh, low these many podcast episodes. And speaking of many podcast episodes, back on Christian for a moment. Christian Blatt does Biden time, which is kind of a joke. You right. Know, Biden, Biden time. Biding my time. But he also- Kamala takes over. Yeah, he's got, he's got several podcasts, but it's under the umbrella of the Blattcast. So the Christian Blatt, the Blattcast. Blattcast. And here's the news, Connor. Yeah. His 500th Blattcast is, oh. I think, dropping this week. So check 
it out on the internet, and John Lovitz is his special guest. No, he's actually getting John Lovitz? He's get well, Christian is Dennis Miller's longtime executive producer. I know, so, but John Lovitz. Well, yeah, well, Christian has gotten every big name imaginable on Dennis's show That's over the awesome. last many, many years. So check out John Lovitz on the, the 500th Blatt cast. Finally, I'm going to give you a little uh, alert for those of you who uh, enjoy Los Angeles radio for the last few decades. I was going through some old tapes. And in the 1970s, when uh, Pete Nebatrio, a newsman from KNX Radio, oh, yeah. and I were both together at KLA Radio at UCLA in the 1970s, I was a DJ, the world's worst DJ. And Pete Nebatrio, <laughs> even then, sounded like a, the perfect best radio newsman. Yeah. I throw it to Pete, and I'm going to play the audio of that at the end of this show. Oh, my God, I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. This is, this is college-age Royal Oaks. Yeah, and I sound ridiculous. Pete sounds wonderful, so that's the way it is. Finally, before we go to our first break, and then we're, I promise we're going to get to the topic about uh, are we going to be indicting Donald Trump, I just have to say I've decided uh, I'm endorsing early for the presidency. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I've that's decided great. to. I'm sure Joe will appreciate it. I know I'm what? endorsing what? Bill Maher. Bill Maher oh for president. Absolutely. Yeah. I have been watching his new podcast. Uh, you know, he's got his real time show on HBO, which yes. is great. But he also has a weekly podcast, which he calls Club Random, where he has this man cave at his Malibu mansion. And he invites his friends, Quentin Tarantino and Jay Leno and, and uh, Jeff Ross and so on. And I've been watching it, and I realize the guy is totally honest about everything. And I really appreciate the fact that he's totally honest about everything. Now, I think he's kind of nutty on, on, on several issues, but on a lot of issues, I, I kind of like him. I mean, we have share sort of a libertarian sensibility. Uh, he, he absolutely calls out people on the left who are woke because he really wants his version of a progressive uh, agenda to get adopted. And, yeah, he knows, he and he knows that if the woke people go overboard and have, you know, drag queen story time and, oh, let's defund the police, that that's a big threat to his agenda. But the point in my mind is that he is totally honest. Everybody else in politics has an ax to grind. They want a job. They want to be elected. They sure, want sure. to give free money to people, even though it doesn't make sense, so that those people will vote for them. And he doesn't do any of that. So doggone it. Let's get the bumper stickers printed up, put them on uh, our smart cars. Yeah. Bill Maher for president. Are you okay with that? You're going to volunteer? You're going to knock on doors? I don't think I'd knock on any no? doors for Bill. Why? Why not? When we say Bill doesn't you know, have a, an ulterior motive, he certainly does. Bill's ulterior motive is to maintain the status quo and to you know, be able to lampoon the people he personally doesn't like on television at, and I, I, I without disagree. actually I disagree. succumbing I've watched to so the, many of his shows now, he doesn't have these ulterior motives. But the ulterior, He's just an honest guy. He he's thought be. through a lot of issues. He went to Cornell, you know, so he's an Ivy Leaguer. Sure. So he's got that going for him. Yeah, barely an Ivy Leaguer. Sorry, ooh, Bill. Ooh, that's harsh. <laughs> no, this, look, he, he's the, he's the kind of guy that wants to, you know, make jokes on television and... <laughs> That's fine. That's and a felony, I, isn't it? And I like it, and I respect it, and he's told many funny jokes in his time. He's told many unfunny You're jokes in his time. You're pretty free with the compliments, regardless. aren't you, Connor? Yeah. He's but told many funny jokes in his time. What greater praise he's just for the, a professional comedian? He's just the ultimate example of the status, the pro-status quo 
uh, air quote liberal who looks at progressives and says, look, I made millions and millions of dollars and I love the situation that we're in. And I'm not really worried about, say, the oppression or marginalization of, of groups. People are speaking up now, trying to change the world for the better. They're trying to have drag cream, yeah. drag queen, queen story hour to yeah. normalize marginalized gender identities. And his response to that is, whoa, 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 slow down, hold your horses, don't actually do anything progressive. Just pull back, make sure that the Democrats stay in power and keep kind of, you know, fighting the the, the Republicans off in terms of how big should corporate tax cuts be, right? That That's not a progressive viewpoint. That's not about how you make the world a better place. Isn't that's it sad how we're going to cancel each HBO. other's votes out, you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, we won't be canceling each other's <laughs> votes out because I'm sure that Bill Maher will be persuaded to drop out and endorse Joe Biden. Well, he hasn't actually dropped in yet. Oh, he will drop in. And then like he will- Like Timothy Leary, drop in, right. don't drop out. And and then uh, Biden will call him up uh, after South Carolina, and he will drop out and get in line just like everybody else in, uh, in exchange for political favors, and we'll get Biden again. By the way, uh, Bill Maher told the, the funniest story on a Club Random podcast. Uh, he talked about how he was in the, um, the line to say hi to Bill Clinton when Clinton was president, and Bill Maher and his uh, uh, hot supermodel girlfriend at the time are walk, going and working their way through the line. And everybody's getting like three seconds. I mean, boom, boom, boom. It's, oh, yeah. I was happy to see you. I really empathize with how whoever you are. Yeah. Whatever you think. Yeah. And you're going to remember this forever, okay? Mm-hmm. Except when Bill gets there, Bill is there for like five minutes. Bill makes some comment to Bill Clinton along the lines of, uh, it was, they were talking about trade. It was a meeting about World Trade Organization. Sure. What a yeah. snooze, right? Yeah. And so Bill makes some comment along the lines of, you know, uh, nice to meet you, Mr. President. I got to tell you, though, this subject matter of the trade, my eyes glaze over. Yeah. I, you know, I go right over my head. Right. Bill Clinton then takes five, six minutes to explain his basic take on trade, okay? Sure. While everybody's waiting, everybody else, everybody gets three seconds, three seconds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Bill Clinton, he's he's walking away. Now, finally, the president is done. Thank you. My goodness, you're empathetic. He walks away, and Bill Clinton and Bill Maher says to his girlfriend, wow, that's really something. I mean, you know, we worked our way up to the line. Boom, 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 boom. And we got five minutes. And you know what she said to him? No. He was rubbing my back the entire time. <laughs> God. And Bill Myers was so admiring of, of oh Bill Clinton God. to be able to, you know, kind of multitask. Yeah, yeah, To yeah. spend the five minutes. So that's oh another reason God. we should be voting for Bill Maher for president. Hey, uh, no, it's it's the reason we should be voting for Hillary. She, she deserves it. <laughs> or his girlfriend's back sure. for president. Yeah. When we come back, speaking of back, we're going to talk about whether uh, Donald Trump's going to be indicted because of the whole Mar-a-Lago situation or, or other pending issues. But first, Connor will tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, just like the uh, very helpful and uh, completely correct person who commented that I speak way too quickly, you can also leave a comment on our podcast page or one of our social media pages. Check us out on whatever podcast platform uh, you prefer. That's probably Apple Podcasts, but it might be Podcast Addict or Stitcher or Spotify or anything else. We're on all of them as an RSS feed. You can get us pushed to your phone every single a week, and we'd very much appreciate any comment that you want to leave. We'll read them, as you can tell from the fact that we read them and to even talk about them on the show. So please uh, drop us a line. We love it. We'll be right back. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. 
I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Laura Lopes. And I'm Conor Lopes. So, is the Mar-a-Lago uh, raid going to lead to Donald Trump's indictment? So many questions we still don't have answers to in terms of what exactly was seized in the raid. I, I mean, I, I've said in the past on this podcast, I really don't think they're going to be indicting him. I think that uh, Democrats are too smart for that. I think they're going to let him twist slowly in the wind. They're going to grind him into dust with more and more investigations, more and more evidence of January 6th type uh, malfeasance and, and misconduct and so on, and not actually pull the trigger and indict him. Because if they do, then ooh, what if they lose in court? Then it's like it negates all the good stuff that they did. And oh, he looks like a martyr and everybody feels sorry for him. And, and it's so obvious Joe Biden and his attorney general and his Department of Justice would love to knock off somebody who is, you know, maybe the strongest opponent, although some people think he wouldn't be the strongest opponent. So I think that he's going to continue along. One interesting sort of inside baseball angle, Connor, is this uh, special master deal just today. We find out that the uh, federal judge who's hearing Donald Trump's civil suit the challenges, the search, and and so on. Uh, The judge has said, yes, Mr. Trump, you get your special master. The stack of 24 boxes that you uh, received from your home uh, and the Department of Justice lawyers say, oh, well, we've got a privilege team. We've got a filter team. They went through and figured out, oh, these two boxes are privileged, so they should be returned to Mr. Trump, but the other 22 we get to use. Uh, Donald Trump said, I don't trust them. I want a retired judge, basically, a special master to do it. And the judge said yes. And of course, this the judge needs- in this case being uh, Ms. Cannon or J- Justice Cannon. Right? Judge well, Cannon? well, Judge Cannon, because she's Cannon. a trial court judge, judge in federal court of the Southern District of Florida. But it feeds into my obsession, Connor, yeah. which is judges make decisions based on their personal viewpoints. Because let's just compare and contrast the magistrate judge who signed off on the search warrant mm-hmm. has totally attacked Donald Trump and social media, saying basically he has the morals of an alley cat. And the judge who just granted the special master request, what a coincidence, appointed by Donald Trump yeah, himself. Exactly. So I'm not saying that they're not totally honest and objective, but what a coinky dinky. Yeah, exactly. So what, what's your take on the special master and, and down the road, whether he's going to be indicted? Hey, the question of, uh, is it really a practical one? Is this special master going to slow down the process? And it's undoubtedly going to slow it down somewhat. Now, the judge, Judge Cannon, said, oh, I don't think it will substantially slow down the process. It may. But is there enough time ahead of the uh, election uh, before he horrifyingly uh, you know, might accidentally get uh, elected again um, for us to get this stuff out in the open and really have a, the well, proper investigation. Well, that's about more than two years I, off if you're yeah. talking about 2024. Yeah, so the special it, master ain't going to take two years exactly. to filter through so this So is it going to slow it down that much? No. So is it is it emblematic of, of maybe uh, of, of judicial bias? Sure. And I'm all, all for it. You and I 100% agree on this. 
we frequently run into uh, judicial bias in these big political cases and in all other cases because judges are political animals, in my opinion. They don't just call the balls and strikes. That's, that's impossible and misleading. They can't do that. Everybody makes all their opinions informed by their own biases. And we should be recognizing that, acknowledging that, and, 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 and building our uh, political system and judicial system, because it's also a political system, um, in a way that uh, constrains the individual biases of individual actors and diffuses uh, their power uh, out to as many uh, people as possible in order to take uh, power out of the hands of these unelected uh, people. Judges are unelected. It's the, it's the least democratic branch of the government. I mean, the Supreme Court is the example of that, ultimate example of that. It's intentionally built to be unresponsive to uh, the will of the people and the voter. It's, it's meant to be abstracted from that so that they don't have to stand for re-election. Well, guess what? That means they make often very bad decisions and there's no recourse for us. So and it's interesting. To pack the court. It's interesting that so there's sort of a blend of that. On the federal side, as you say, they are unelected because every single federal judge or yeah. justice, Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, trial court, appointed by the president, right. no elections. On the other hand, in the state court system, at least in California, uh, it, yeah, they're elected theoretically, but yeah, really lot, there most are everybody gets their job by uh, an appointment from the governor when somebody dies or retires. Yeah, and then they get reelected because automatically. The, 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 the ballot says Judge Smith, and everybody mm -hmm. votes for the one that says judge next to it because it's a judgely position. Except, and we may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, Dzintra Janevs, the Eastern European-sounding lady, because she's Eastern European, sure. shortly after 9-11, mm -hmm. she was a very highly thought-of judge on the LA Superior Court bench. She stands for re-election. No scandal, no reason why there should be any but it was right after 9-11, right. and we didn't really like foreigners at that point. And a lawyer who was a lady who wasn't practicing, she owned a bagel shop in Santa Monica, and I hear they nice. were really good. Yeah, I bet. But she had basically no qualifications yeah. to be a judge. She beats uh, Dezintra Janice because oh, her name is like, you know, Lucy the Bagel Betty Lady. Betty Smith, yeah. Yeah, Betty Smith. Right, right, right. And so every once in a while, that happens. Yeah, America went completely insane for like three years after 9-11, and then we only got like, 30% less insane. And we're still living in that. Oh, so we're 70% seven, insane. 70% insane world, I think. I don't know. I was too young pre 9 11 to really understand how insane the world was. So maybe we're all just insane in different ways back then. Topic number two Starbucks has been sued by shareholders for pushing diversity. Damn it. Does this mean the, the, the grandes are going to go up in price? Uh, the grande maybe. lattes? Maybe. So last uh, Tuesday, a conservative think tank, the National Center for Public Policy Research, has sued Starbucks up in Spokane's. Superior Court. I don't know if I would have chosen that. They're probably kind of get get hometown. I think everybody up in Spokane probably loves Starbucks. I don't but know. anyway, most of Washington outside of uh, Seattle is pretty conservative. Okay. Anyway, so they've sued Starbucks executives and directors, and the argument is the Starbucks diversity plan is racially discriminatory. Uh, Starbucks has hiring goals for people of color. They want to give contracts to diverse suppliers and advertisers. They want to tie executive pay to diversity. So uh, the plaintiffs who are shareholders, they probably have standing to sue. The defendants are 35 current and past executive, executives and directors, including Howard Schultz. They've got 35,000 stores worldwide, uh, 17,000 in North America. And the background, Connor, is that uh, diversity really got... Uh, moving at Starbucks after the George Floyd killing in 2020. Yeah. Uh, a couple of months later, Starbucks said, okay, we want people of color to hold 30% of corporate jobs and 40% of retail and manufacturing jobs 
within the next several years. And they're tying executive pay to diversity efforts. They, they say they're going to double their spending on diverse suppliers and so on. So the legal issue is, are, will the courts permit a private company that deals with the public to engage in what could be called affirmative action or diversity? Now, the position of the plaintiffs here is, look, if the KKK bought McDonald's or, or, or Starbucks and announced, okay, no people of color need apply, we're all white now, that would be illegal. It would violate civil rights laws and the shareholders would have a right to sue the company to stop a practice that violates federal and state laws and economically harms the company, arguably, and thus the shareholders. So, so why is this different? I mean, one difference is the courts are generally okay with affirmative action and diversity when it comes to education for example, but they really haven't ruled much, and maybe the conservative Supreme Court will go along with these plaintiffs. They really haven't ruled much on this issue of em employment, uh, yeah. whether or not you may uh, really force diversity on your corporation. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to me that the party of hands-off government to get out of my life um, is now trying to hijack the language and methods of the civil rights movement, the modern civil rights movement for racial equity, equality, diversity, uh, inclusion, uh, and and use that language and techniques uh, against them in violation of all of the arguments, the underlying sort of big picture philosophical arguments they've been making for years about, well, the free market should solve these problems. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the market system produces the best results and people will simply f use their dollars and vote with their feet and vote with their wallets and reward companies that are, are doing uh, the right thing. Um, and it, instead of that, they're betraying all of those philosophical ideas and realizing, oh, okay, well, let's not go with that argument. Or rather, let's make all arguments at once, right? Let's just flood the zone with arguments that don't make sense. It doesn't matter. We'll just throw it all in there. And I think that's what this is. This is uh, a tech part of the overall process of using every possible technique uh, to flood the zone with bad arguments so that people don't know what your argument even really is, so they can't come at you, right? Ideological conservatives are immune, in in my view of how they uh, their strategy, they're immune to attack on a on a philosophical basis, on a on a on a conceptual basis, because no one can say, uh, "Oh, you want you know the the government to butt out, right?" Uh, because the, they will be able to say, "No, look, we want government to enforce civil rights law in the uh, our wrong interpretation of it, and therefore we don't want government to butt out of your lives at all." Uh, because uh, and therefore we can also support um, you know the universal health care for richer older people that you like, but mm -hmm. not for uh, everybody or whatever else. They can take any side of any argument because they make both sides of every argument all the time uh, without a uh, basis. And this is an example of that. This is an example of pe people saying, well, I'm going to use the power of the government to help a big corporation uh, or rather, you know, to help big corporations uh, get, throw off the shackles of public scrutiny uh, that are forcing them to do things like uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Starbucks is making a choice, which is a highly publicized choice, um, and will probably draw them favor and customers from among uh, liberals. Uh, and this lawsuit argues the opposite, that they will suffer as a result of this. The, argue, the lawsuit, and the worst part about the lawsuit, is not just that it's wrong and that it thinks that Starbucks will suffer from being too woke when Starbucks will actually make money off of it. Um, and have a better culture off of it and work better and more efficiently off of it because they will you know, have a balanced workforce with the best possible candidates because they will actually start hiring from marginalized groups when previously those groups had been excluded because of structural racism and, and the, you know, the way our society is built uh, to exclude people of color, marginalized identities, whatever else. Um, 
they will be stronger and work better because of it. This lawsuit has into it, built into it, the base assumption, the same assumption that a lot of conservatives uh, work off of when they say the best candidate means getting somebody that looks uh, like me, old white male or, or rich, right? Or all of the above. Uh, you can't possibly be getting the best candidate if you if you take diversity into account. You can't possibly be getting uh, the best numerical on paper candidate if you uh, say that you think uh, diversity is important because um, those factors in my mind can't possibly be positive, right? The ideological conservative mm -hmm. is frequently in their own head thinking, working from their own biases, just like these judges that we were discussing before, thinking that uh, the dog outside wants to be on the podcast. Um, <laughs> the the uh, They're thinking because you're taking diversity into account, you can't possibly get the best candidate because in their mind, the best candidate is this like uh, lab grown test tube baby who came up out of Yale or, you know, Deloitte or whatever other consulting McKinsey <laughs> consulting firm or whatever to become the super genius that the American uh, economy for the last hundred years has, has, has been based on giving people like him, mostly uh, big corner offices. Instead, Starbucks acknowledged the reality that they will be better off if they create a more diverse and inclusive and equitable uh, workforce. Uh, and this guy's living in the past, and his whole argument, uh, his whole lawsuit, and this conservative think tank's, think tank's whole lawsuit, is based on the idea that, no, those people, diverse people, can't possibly be, can't possibly be the best candidates. That's bias. Well, let's just see if the U.S. Supreme Court agrees with your take. Well, I, yeah, that's you know. the problem, isn't it? The, again, who's go. the decision they're, maker? They're here. at the apex. Hey, Ugh. when we come back, R.I.P. Mikhail. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Laura Lowe. And I'm Connor. So Mikhail Gorbachev uh, died this week at 91. Uh, he uh, was a loyal member of the Communist Party when he came to power in the 1980s, running Russia, running the Soviet Union. But he came to see things with new eyes. He told Foreign Minister Edward Shevardnadze, uh, we cannot live this way any longer. And so I think it's interesting to compare him to, oh, I don't know, uh, the KG, Stalin. KGB thug that is uh, Putin and, sure. and Stalin as well. Yeah. I mean, Gorbachev was only in power for five years, but he presided over an arms agreement that got rid of an entire class of nuclear weapons. He withdrew from Afghanistan. He faced a lot of opposition. There were 18 million party officials whose survival depended on maintaining the present system. And the key moment was 1989, the year in which seven countries that had been locked behind the Iron Curtain for four decades became independent. He ended the policy that... Uh, that his predecessors, uh, Brezhnev, had the Brezhnev Doctrine, which is any any one of our satellite nations, if they want to try to leave, forget it. We crush them. They right. crushed the revolt in Hungary. They crushed the revolt in Czechoslovakia. Gorbachev ended that policy. His attitude was, you know what? If a regime is falling, then the satellite 
nation alone is going to have to convince people to let them re remain in power. We're not going to help. And then finally, in late 1989, the Berlin Wall came down and waves of Germans swarmed westward and every single totalitarian communist regime in Europe fell in that year except for Albania. So let's praise Gorbachev and hope Russia gets rid of Putin who I understand Connor feels nostalgia for the days of the gulag and uh, KGB. Well, terror. I'm sure he does. Absolutely. And that's what he's trying to do is, is restore uh, Russia's glory days. Now, it's always hard to look back in, at uh, somebody like Gorbachev and who's very complicated, who's got pluses and minuses, uh, who, you know, we can think of as, well, he's better than Stalin or Khrushchev before him, uh, I guess, because he had this, you know, openness to the West. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who say either it doesn't matter what he was thinking or why he did it, why he let the satellites leave, whether he thought um, uh, they should be uh, have the right to self-determination, that would be admirable of him, or whether he thought, I am so you know, in danger domestically, the economy is doing so badly, and I'm politically, it's so unstable here, I might have popular support, but that's not actually who matters, of course, in pre-fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, Russia, um, that I don't have the power to reach out and keep these uh, these satellites. I, I could not go in and crush another uh, revolution like my predecessors did. I could not uh, force the satellites to stay if they want to leave. Uh, or, as he publicly said several times, uh, that he thought them allowing them to choose would mean that they choose Russia, that they stick with Russia, that they would if I'll, I'll hold a democratically election uh, held election and decide to go back uh, and stick and stick with the Russian uh, program and 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 try to rejoin or stay in the USSR. That may have been sort of PR that he was spinning for people. Oh, yeah, go ahead and change. I'm sure you'll stick with us. Uh, of course, you'd want to. Who knows? But at the end of the day, does it really matter? At the end of the day, what really matters is uh, the USSR. You get a good night's sleep. Yeah, that's certainly true. At the end of your day, you take. You that's, know, what, take that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. Take to bed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, look, I, <laughs> he's certainly a mon monumental figure in uh, in uh, um, politics of the 20th century. It is hard to imagine uh, somebody else doing what he did and presiding over that absolutely uh, without yeah. uh, who, who the gives USSR. up power yeah and without the ussr falling into basically anarchy right it, it could easily have been that somebody else clung more desperately to power than he and refused uh the winds of change and and rebuffed them and, i think and the hid. Past, past tense is actually clanged clanged yeah i could be yeah. wrong so yeah um uh he, he certainly presided over less war and death than he could have my goal is to disrupt you with really silly uh, interjections. It works, And usually. I think it worked pretty well. Hey, are you ready for America's favorite game show, Connor? Always. So uh, it's called Guess the Verdict. I give Connor the real-life facts of a case, and he gets to guess the outcome. So let's go to Dallas, Texas. Okay. A Dallas man is accused of stealing... Oh, God, it's so hot here in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I'm a little muggy. He's accused of stealing more than 20 pairs of shoes from a store. Police found him seated at a bus stop across the street from the store, a sack of shoes at his feet. Those could be this anybody's is, shoes. This is like a master criminal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, he's represented by a lawyer by the name of Annie Walsh. When Annie makes an objection at trial, the elderly male judge looks down at her and says, I hate to fuss at a pretty girl oh, and overrules no. her objection. No, or no, objection no. overruled, little missy. The uh. defendant is convicted... And he appeals in part on the pretty girl remark by the judge. We're before the Texas Court of Appeal. Connor, what's your guess as to uh, so whether as I he look wins? At this scenario, it could absolutely be the case that uh, a judge's uh, 
perception of the appropriateness of, a, of an objection and the decision about whether to bring in a piece of evidence, which is always the key in these sorts of cases, whether evidence gets in front of the judge or jury, usually jury in criminal cases, um, in that his his opinion uh, could be uh, swayed by the gender of the lawyer making the objection mm -hmm. and his respect for that gender and his expression of respect or disrespect for that gender being a sexist comment. It could totally make logical legal sense to say, look, this judge, it, it, might, it might as well have been if he, uh, he had said a slur uh, against her, indicating that he didn't respect her opinion, he wasn't listening, that he wasn't taking her objection seriously. That is another indication. And the appellate court should take that into account and say, oh, yeah, um, the decision of, about whether the appellate court gets to overrule something is was, uh, you know, what the, was the, the, the judge acting, um, you know, was it an abuse of his discretion uh, to to overrule here? That's separate from the legal issue of should this piece of evidence have come in, right? But zoom out. We're on a we're in a Texas Supreme Court. Uh, sorry, Texas Appellate Court. Uh I think they're all down there calling uh, calling women darlings and sweethearts. <laughs> uh, I think that they're they're all uh, you know uh, treating women uh, that way in courtrooms, probably. Um, and I think that the Texas appellate court says, uh, "Sorry, bud, uh, we don't like criminals around here. You're lucky you didn't get your hand chopped off or foot, I guess, because he stole all those shoes. It'd be more effective if you got off a foot instead of a hand." <laughs> um, and, and uh, sorry, buddy, no appeal for you. Uh, we don't care about gendered and sexist language. I'm sorry, but the conviction was reversed. Nice. Uh, Heck yeah, Texas, you did it. I don't even feel bad. The, I don't feel bad. Okay. I don't feel bad about losing Good, good. All. The Court of Appeals uh, ruled that the judge's sexist remark improperly cast the lawyer in a negative light before the jury. Yeah. So, so That's a huge factor and one I didn't even discuss. That's actually a, 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 another totally valid reason, not just peering into the judge's mind. But yeah, you influence a jury strongly and then suddenly her arguments have less weight. So what about the other side of the coin in terms of... Mm, wow, I'm so impressed by these Texan, <clears throat> this Texas appellate yeah. court. It's almost like these judges kind of know something about something. I don't know. That's crazy talk. Texan love song. Are you uh, familiar with that Elton John song? Oh, yeah. Texan love song. Is that so, what it's called? Yeah. Well, there is. A, yeah, that's that's one of his songs. I don't think I've ever heard the title, but yeah, I know which one you're talking so about. So what I was going to say was, was kind of a dopey comment about, about reverse sexism, and it's a personal traumatic experience. Oh, so no. circling back to my uh, debate experience in high school. Yeah. So now this, this lady was a victim of sexism, but what about situations where, and I'm sure you encountered this many times, being incredibly massively handsome, and you uh, benefited from the fact that you know, good-looking guy. That's very nice of you. I was in high school, and my debate partner Frank Gewertz and I had a very important round. If we won, we would go to the national debate tournament. Big, big deal. We were up against a couple of gals, uh, and they were stunningly beautiful. I mean, they were gorgeous blondes, off the charts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Judges were three male early twenties judges. I'll give you the names of the gals: uh, Susan Williams. And Kathy Young. You still remember. Oh, wow. yeah. This was traumatic. This was we formative. wanted to go to the freaking national debate tournament. Yeah. But did we go? No. Yeah. Because these guys were drooling. Yeah. I mean, they needed a mop when yeah. they were done. Now, one might argue that Kathy and Sue absolutely beat us like a drum. Maybe. And Frank and I you deserve Maybe. to lose. Yeah. But, you know, you never really think you lose a debate round. That's but I'm true. whether we deserved it or not, these guys were drooling like sure. crazy. Maybe so you should have put more the other side of the sex hair and makeup that right. morning, and Absolute. maybe then you would have gotten a better vote. Absolutely right. All right, usually we end the podcast with Guess the Verdict, but as I said at the top of the episode, we have a special treat. Oh, yeah. It's an air check. 
Air check from the 1970s. 1976. 1976. It's like we're in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm in law school and Pete Demetrio is an undergrad. Pete Demetrio is a reporter for KNX News Radio here in Los Angeles and has been for decades before that KFWB and KLAC. And he's tremendous. He is the premier uh, news or radio man in Los Angeles. So he was doing news and I was doing, uh, I was being a disc jockey and the disc jockey throws to the newsman every yeah. hour. I have the air check of me I'm so being excited. a horrible DJ. No. And Pete, he sounds exactly like he does now in his 40s, 50s, and 60s. He's it's amazing. Yeah. He was- I can't wait. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this air check and you can just make up your own mind as to what you think of it. Uh, and here we go. We're going to have to uh, turn it on. And have you played this is. for Pete yet? No. Don't fear the Reaper. It's by the Blue Oyster Cult. 1140 is the exact time here on KLA. I don't know about that title. I fear some of those Reapers. Those farmers, you know, when they get their pitchforks and when they get their dander up over the Odebolt 500 tractor race in Peoria every year, and I've been there a couple of times, well, uh, I fear a few of them. Anyway, what you want to know right now is what's exactly going on around the world. And Mr. Pete Demetrio's got the KLA News 83 headlines for you. Thank you, Royal. The United Auto Workers and General Motors have come to an agreement avoiding a nationwide walkout by some 390,000 General Motors workers. All right, so obviously Pete had it perfected. You knocked then. it out of the park. Uh, you know, I Reaper, was, a, I was Reaper. a C- DJ and he was an A-plus newsman, okay? That's good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed. Well, we, we had a lot of fun walking down memory lane there, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and I don't know if next week's will be as exciting as this. It'll be yeah, hard, how hard, hard to beat that level of excitement. Have a great week. Stay cool. See you next time on Too Many Lawyers. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.